This program is part of the Infinite Potato Alliance. Visit us at infinitepotato.com. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Hold on to your butt. And here we go. This is Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Smoke and mirrors, guys! Welcome to the Movie Factory. Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. No gatekeeping, no toxic fandom. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Now, only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew, here is your host... Say my name. Sean Ray! You're goddamn right. Alright, it was a miracle. Can we go now? Easy peasy lemon squeezy! Keep the change, you filthy animal. This week in the historic Infinite Potato Studio, the panel consists of Chris... Are we on Cosmic Potato? What? Rick. Chris is fine with maggots eating necrotic flesh, but boogers, no. No, no. Scott. Everyone comes eventually. Crossover joke with Moonshow. Neek. Well, just hating men over here. Another crossover joke with Moonshow. Tom. Amusing quote here. And Virginia. Cosmic Potato After Dark. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan tall podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and I think it's weird that the Incredibles named their son Dash before he developed his speed powers, but that's just me. You don't know how fast he came out. That's true. Yeah, bounced off the walls a few times. Gross. Wow. All right. Um, so tonight we've got a good topic lined up for you. We're going to be talking about the best movies that we've ever seen that we never want to see again. But before we get to that, I picked up a new game over the holiday, and I want to play it with you guys. It's called I Wish I Didn't Know. Oh, I moved my camera. My camera's over there now. <laughs> it's called I Wish I Didn't Know, and it's uh, it, it's trivia questions about random bits of knowledge that you may have picked up over the years. Some of these are things that you wish that you didn't know to begin with. You were sure to never forget most of them. I'm going to keep score, but there are no prizes, so it doesn't really matter who wins. But I am going to keep score. All right, so I will just, I mean, I will just ask each of you a couple of these questions. And, you know, I'll go down the line and uh, see if you know the answer. So, Rick, this one's for you. A California woman... Once tried to sue the makers of Captain Crunch because A, the captain looked exactly like her great grandfather, which uh, who once worked for the company. B, eating the cereal daily allegedly made all of her teeth fall out. C, Crunch Berries contained no berries of any kind. Or D, the box she purchased contained no toy inside. Ooh. First, I was going with B, but I think it's the Crunch Berries. You're correct. It is the Crunch Berries. They contain no berries of any kind. No, they do not. <laughs> All right, Chris. Hello. I'm not going to ask you that one because I can't pronounce that word. Okay. <laughs> I could maybe All help right. you with that. <laughs> Dolphins are horny at any moment. They even use these as a way to get themselves off. A, they're on. Now, I, I, have, I just opened this. I did not pre-screen these questions. <laughs> what? I, 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 did, huh? I did not open it. I oh, just we on opened Cosmic this. Potato? What? 
potato after dark. <laughs> a their own mouth. A their B, own what now? Wait, I forgot it. I didn't. A hear it. their own their own mouths. Oh, okay. Yeah, B possible. Dead fish heads. C humans or D the bottoms of ships. Listen. If you give me a choice that says dead fish heads, I have to take it every time, regardless. Well, we so, yeah, and it would be the correct answer. Wow! Now I don't know the logistics of how that works. I mean, the, you would say, say eat them up, yum, but I guess I'll often say rub them up, yum. <laughs> <laughs> I, what about how quickly Chris answered? No, not possible with. The first. <laughs> yeah. I'm in no, their no, own no. mouths. I was just no, thinking of dolphin yeah. anatomy. Oh no, that's that's ridiculous. He studied the issue. <laughs> there was a there was a fanfic story where Sam leapt into a dolphin. I'm not saying I read it. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh, Virginia, this one's for you. Okay. A study showed that when they're denied sex, male fruit flies will a try to have sex with any insect. B Search out foods containing alcohol. C. Make a loud buzzing sound. Or D. Have sex with each other. Or E. Bang a dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) I've already forgotten what they all are. Um, I think um, it's the last. I think I think they have sex with each other. No, they search out foods containing alcohol. Huh? If you can't get laid, get they drunk, just, I guess. Yeah. If they can't, yeah, if they can't get laid, just get drunk. Pissy and get drunk. Now, as, as, men um, haters. I mean, if you knew how many fruit flies were in cells, man. As John would say, I want to reiterate that I do not pick who gets each question before uh, before I pull. Except but that's Neek. already been proven patently false. <laughs> Neek. Besides an American flag, guess what else astronauts left on the moon after their first landing? A, a few dozen golf balls. B, a lawn chair. C, a few copies of Playboy. Or D, four bags of human poop. I think it's the golf balls. I hope it's it's the golf balls. It's the poop. Okay, ew. Can we say (laughs) poop and golf balls? Every every (laughs) lunar mission left behind everything they could, and that included their their waste. Yeah, they left it there. So much for campsite rules. Scott, at 26.69 seconds, Michelle Lesko broke a record for the fastest time in A, defeating 10 ninjas, B, eating a big bowl of pasta, C, finishing a book report, or D, making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Pasta. Correct. It was pasta. Well, it's so All exciting right. of you. I Tom. wish that it had been the ninjas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom, uh, what's it called when water splashes back up at your butthole after you take a large dump? <laughs> is that what a- the hell is this game, Sean? <laughs> is that A? What is I, I told you, right it's, it's, it's called I Wish I Didn't Know. I wish I did not know. This is not is a family a, game. The Refresher, B, Neptune's Kiss, C, The Back Alley Bidet, or D, Butthole Bathing. Oh, those are all such wonderful options. <laughs> yes. Okay, according to who, though? <laughs> I have no idea. According An to this game. Point. 
What'd you say, Tom? Uh, I hadn't answered, but I, I <laughs> wondered if now there's like a different Canadian answer to this. You know? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Neptune's Kiss. You're correct. It is Neptune's Kiss. <laughs> it's just called Backsplash. But that's like that's what the I've wrong always called planet, it, but, yeah. I'm thinking. Just saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> do you feel squeamish at the thought of a bug on your arm? Well, a woman in China broke a world record by covering herself with A, bees, B, worms, C, flies, or D, ticks. Oh, wow. It could be anything. Well, I really hope it's not ticks. That would be that would be insane and probably lethal. Um, let's go with... This was China, you said? Yes. People cover themselves in bees all the time. It's not that big a deal. So let's go with the flies. It is it's bees. Oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering why... But she broke the world record. It wasn't like... Um, a was bees, and B was something else. Like B needs it to be B. A, That's just A bees. A bees. B aphids. Um. <laughs> oh, nice. A aphids. B bees. C cockroaches. Centipedes. <laughs> All right. D, um, Chris, this one is for you. Using your ears to listen is hard enough, right? A man called Wee Ping discovered he can use his ears to a hammer and nails. B, carry grocery bags, C, blow up balloons, or D, send radio signals? I got to go with radio every time, even though it's ridiculous. No, he can blow up balloons with his ears. I was going to go grocery bags before you said radio, so I would have been wrong either way. <laughs> That's a pretty, well, I, I, I'm a... Now, I have seen the video of someone smoking a cigarette with their eyeball before. But. Yeah, th- I mean, there is there is a connection between the, the eustachian tube between your th- the back of your throat and your ear, but... Yeah. The, oh, no, it makes the, sense. Yeah. The eardrum kind of gets in the way, <laughs> so... Blowing up a balloon, death. is a lot, that's a lot of air movement, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Virginia. Yeah. In 2013, a man was arrested for spreading the ashes of his fiance inside one of her favorite places. Was it A, Chipotle? B, Lens Crafters, C, Target, or D, Chuck E. Cheese? Oh, please let it be Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I got, I mean, we've all met our doom in Target at some point, so I'm going to say Target. It was Lens Crafters. I don't know why that's one of her favorite places, yeah. but... The good thing is, is you know why? Because it took him under an hour, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have any of y'all right. ever seen someone's ashes put somewhere? It's illegal here in New York. You're really not allowed to do it. I the many years when I worked down in, in at the, the theater I worked at in, in, in Lake Worth, the Duncan Theater, uh one of our one of the school's custodians passed away. Uh and he asked for his ashes to be spread around the campus. There was a lot. This bag that his mm-hmm. his his husband was was spreading it was huge. It's not just like a little whiff and you know an ashtray or something. Yeah, it's not it's not just a a, a few little. Yeah, it is. Um, okay, Nick, this one's yours. This disgusting medieval remedy is making a comeback and is used some t- and is used today in some hospitals to treat leg ulcers, pressure sores, and infected wounds. Is leeches. it a leeches? Is leeches. it uh, B, live snails, C, maggots, or D, cat piss? Well, leeches mm-hmm. and maggots are useful. 
legitimately mm-hmm. useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give it to you. It was maggots. Is it, was it live skin or dead skin? I don't know. Well, so it's leg ulcers. <laughs> so that, that would be necrotic skin. So. Necrotic, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. That's lead, uh, maggots will eat the dead stuff mm-hmm. and leave a very clean wound. Um, wow, these questions are really running the gamut here. First, I thought it was all sexy times. Now it's maggots. So, <laughs> Tom, this was yours. Um, a Seattle woman drank a warm glass of this every day to clean her acne as well as her complexion. I don't know what the difference is. Um, a dog piss, B breast milk, C chicken grease, or D a placenta cocktail. This game really lives up to its name. I'm telling you. <laughs> it does. I, I'm I'm going to hope it's not some of the other options and say breast milk. It's dog piss. Oh, That's God. what I was hoping it wasn't. <laughs> there, There is a frighteningly large number of people, at least in the States, who think that drinking, bathing in, putting it in their eyes, etc., urine is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's usually their own but Yeah, urine. it's usually it's their the, own. Yeah. Putting it in their eyes? Yeah. Yeah. And the people How that would se- that do anything? Well, the people that sell them on it are like, if it hurts, then it's working. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, idiots. Absolute idiots, but... So it's like sell some blue? It's tingling? Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's tingling, you know it's working. <laughs> that was head and shoulders. <laughs> All right, uh, Scott, this will be the last one. Worried about that brown booger you're uh, you're putting in your mouth? It's not too much cause for concern. It just means a your iron levels are off. B you're picking your nose too hard and drawing blood. C you're eating too much protein. Or D your fingers are dirty. B it's blood. Yeah, it's blood. And the whole the whole point of that question was just that it was brown. I don't know why they had to bring up the putting it in your mouth. Exactly, more, unless it's brown. <laughs> why do you have to open that way? <sighs> Literally, have never even thought to try that. I even when I see it as as a joke in in movie at Caddyshack, I don't I don't get the joke because I don't know why anyone would do that. Yeah, well. I mean, when I was in kindergarten, there was a girl that sat across from me. All right, can we can it, we but... move on? Let's move on. <laughs> we, have, we have a uh, Chris is fine with maggots eating necrotic flesh, but boogers, no, no, no. I mean, no. one is medical, one is disgusting. <laughs> we have a tie uh, between uh, Scott and Neek, so I'm going to ask one more question, and uh, uh, to each of you, until one of you get gets it wrong. Um, okay, Scott. The idea of what is beautiful is always changing. At one time, for hundreds of years, this was considered sexy in Japan. A. Stained black teeth. B. Man boobs. C. Long nose hair. Or D. Braided butt hair. Stained black teeth. (laughs) That is correct. That is correct. All right. You want to know when I learned that? Today. (laughs) Randomly. Randomly learned on Facebook this afternoon. All right, it's neat. destiny. Specifically in Japan, though, because that was a thing. Like, wasn't that at some point in English history that was also a thing? What I read specified Japan. I, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened other places. But yeah. I, what I was reading about was 
how it was an old custom in Japan, usually used to denote um, uh, beauty, uh, marriage, and status. Uh, Neek, one out of every five people uh, do this at least five times a day. A, pick their nose. B, smell their armpits. C, floss their teeth. Or D, pick a wedgie. We know this game likes noses. I mean, yeah, picking noses and picking wedgies. I feel like people do that all the time. Both of yeah. those things. So Yeah, it's, it's pick your nose. All right. My daughter's constantly, I'm always asking her, like, is, is there something wrong? Do you need new underwear, honey? She's like, no, it's just stuck in there. I'm like, I'm going to ask one more each, and if you both get it right, we're just going to move on to the <laughs> topic. So, Scott, try all you like. It's fairly impossible to do this. A, lick your elbow. B, wiggle your, wiggle your ears. C, sneeze with your eyes open. Or D, raise one eyebrow. Uh, licking elbows. Incorrect. Is sneeze with your eyes open? Bullshit. I've done it. Yeah, that that is. That, I'm telling the card you, the card says is incorrect. It's, it's fairly impossible. It did not say it is absolutely impossible. It's more possible to sneeze with your eyes open than it is to lick your elbow. I, lo- I love the old wives. Uh, not, I, I gotta stop using that term. But the 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 urban legend that if you do sneeze with your eyes open, your eyes will pop. <laughs> Your eyes will pop right out of your head. I have never. Don't heard you that. know this? I do not know this. That's why I'm bug-eyed. <laughs> because you know. That's <laughs> what happens when you make a choice to cut off your own eye- eyelashes or history is, <laughs> eyelids. <laughs> history is filled with people's eyes just popping out of their heads when they sneeze. That Marty Feldman had an unfortunate sneeze as a child, and you know the rest was history. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we are all film lovers. We all watch a lot of different kinds of films. And sometimes we come across a movie that's really entertaining or it just speaks to us on some level. But it could be that this movie unlocks feelings in us that they're not easy to process. There's something unsettling about it. So even though we think the movies are great uh, or we believe that they're really well made, we have no interest in ever watching them again. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So, uh, I will start with Virginia. Virginia, what's, uh, what's one on your list of a movie that you never want to watch again? Um, this is a really good movie. I, I wouldn't say I would never watch it again, but there are very uh, specific times that I would watch it again. And that's Gaslight, starring Ingrid Bergman. Fantastic. It's where we get the term gaslighting. Which is why it's so difficult to rewatch. So I will typically, it's not like one of those movies that, you know, you catch it on Turner Classic Movies and it's like, let me sit down and watch this movie on my Saturday <laughs> afternoon. It's something that I will intentionally, um, like, I've talked to a friend about gaslighting or tried to explain it to someone and, like, we're going to sit down and watch this movie so you understand what this is about. Um, so it's it's a fantastic movie. Ingrid Bergman, amazing as always. Um, the ending scene where the gaslighter finally gets his comeuppance, love it every time. But it's not—it's not something that I can just spoiler watch for a hundred-year-old movie. <laughs> Is it a hundred years old? Yeah, I've never. I'm seen just guessing. It. I don't. It's I, a 1930. Pretty close then. 30, 30 30 35, yeah. 1933. 
Thank I'll you. Look it up. Thank you for bringing that up, Virginia, because um, when I had Turner, that was kind of a frequent play on Turner, and I always meant to watch it, and I got as far as maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes, and then I would get distracted, or it just wasn't meant to be. And I always wondered if the term gaslighting came from that movie, and mm-hmm. I guess it did. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Do actually we- from 1944. Oh, okay. Later than I thought, 1944. Do we want to define gaslighting for if, in case there's anyone listening that doesn't know what it is? Oh, um, let me, let me get, make sure. Well, if you just watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> loosely defined, uh, gaslighting is a colloquialism. Loosely defined is making someone question their own perception of reality. So the, the villain of the movie is making Ingrid Bergman's character question her own sanity by um, she will get a piece of mail and then he will hide it and tell her she never got any mail. What are you talking about? You don't know. You're crazy. You don't know anything you're talking about. Or that, and this is where the gaslight part comes from, is she would see the gaslights being um, lowered like that was the interior lighting of the time that the movie was set in. The gas lights would be lowered shortly after her husband would leave the house and she would comment on it when he would come back. You're, you don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. That That's not even happening. It must be X, Y, and Z that's happening. But really, he was this sinister person who was trying to actually get the inheritance that Ingrid Bergman's character had. And so he was sneaking up to the attic, lighting up the lights up there, which was causing like uh, the resources would have to divide themselves. So the, the lights were going down because he was doing something he wasn't supposed to using the lights in the attic. Mm, okay. And so that's where the actual gaslight part comes from. Yeah. It came up on one of my, uh, streaming services or something the other day and I remembered that you, you did an episode of what you never seen about it right yes we did yeah we yeah did. I remembered I remembered uh, that episode uh, and I was like ah maybe I'll watch that and then I, I didn't <laughs> it's, it's a hard movie to watch I mean even knowing like the first time I watched it it was horrifying because I did not know what I was getting myself into it was just something that happened to be on Turner Classic Movies on a random Saturday um yeah. But now knowing knowing what I know and having had some of those experiences, it's like, no, it has to be a very specific purpose that I will watch this incredible movie that has like spawned this term that we still use now, like y'all were just saying, not a hundred years, but eighty years later. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. All right. Tom, what about you? What's the first one on your list? Um it, it might be a cop out, but I'm gonna go with um, Sixth Sense. Um, it's got the twist ending. I'm gonna actually kind of give uh, you know amend this. It I would say it's got three watches in it. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you could do it your initial time. Watch it again just to see what you miss. You know, after you've picked up on the twist, you can see what you missed on it, and then showing it to someone else. And kind of watching how they how they see it. So, like, we introduced my daughter to it a year ago, and um, she caught it even before the end of the movie. So that was fun. But um, just being able to see those reactions. 
I think um, that was that was one that got spoiled for me before I saw it. And once it's spoiled for you, you can't you can't unsee it. Yeah. I mean, you can't you from the very beginning. Like you know, ten minutes in, if it's been spoiled, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, it got. That's that's what's going on. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. definitely right. You you but, see it all all the way through. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like if, the if you, second time if you, you get that it, one piece, yeah. right? Yeah, I I yeah. totally agree with you. Agree with you, Tom. Because um, I I didn't know anything about it going in. Didn't know there was a twist because I think this this was Shyamalan's first big film. Yeah. Um, yep. So it took me completely by surprise, and then I watched it again. And was like, oh, it's so freaking obvious when you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, especially when the kid says it in the middle of the movie, the, the, the entire premise. And even M. Night was just like, should we leave that in? <laughs> because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also, so M. Night Shyamalan. What a twist. He gets, a, he gets a, rat, a bad rap. People have always said that that was his only, his only good movie or no. whatever, which it's not. I mean, he's made a lot of good movies. But the thing is, that got to be, that kind of got to be his thing. So you couldn't go, uh, I couldn't put uh, an M. Night Shyamalan movie in the DVD player and not know there's going to be a twist to this. It's not going to be just a regular movie. There's going to be a twist at, at some point in the third act or something like that. And then you so start that, watching for that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you're it, you're you're paying attention for it. it yeah. It's like like Black Mirror. Okay, how so, is yeah. this how is this going to turn and be horrible for everyone right at the end of the episode? Let let's see if we can solve the puzzle before we get there. But, but there's I, still I mean, he still has some some clever twists. It's just it's just that it's not a surprise when it happens, you know. You're yeah. you're, you're not surprised that there is a twist, you know. I like The Village. But, yeah, The Village was good. His the last one that he did was uh it was on I think the, it was the last one. Old. old was that the last old. one? He did? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was a good movie. And there wasn't no, the, really it, a twist on it. That. Didn't, it didn't, it didn't really. Uh, if you really start to think about it, it didn't really make sense. But <laughs> but at the same time, to see it played out was was really interesting. Signs but. was one that the twist ruined it for me. But oh, really? Yeah. Signs was, was so awful. stupid. It was so stupid. The, the water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Swing away. We call it the Wizard Swing of Oz away. ending. <laughs> yeah. I I had the sixth sense spoiled for me in a magazine. I think it was a it was an issue of Entertainment Weekly. Be looking at those. Oh, never mind. Entertainment Weekly spoiled sixth sense for me, and in that same issue, it spoiled Fight Club. Sons of oh, really? So after after so the, it was the, the spoiler issue, uh, yeah, I just don't read that well, magazine anymore. Entertainment yeah. Entertainment Weekly had decided if you haven't gone to the theater to see these, then then it's your own fault. So it. Once I got the second spoiler in that issue, that issue went across the room. So that issue not only spoiled it, but they broke the rule. I cannot remember how long it had, how long the movies had been out. But when... they talked about it. Oh yeah. Oh, I get it. Fight ah. Club, the Fight Club thing. Okay. All right. <laughs> nice. Nice. Point for Tom. Well, I mean, there's a lot of times when you're talking about a movie and like, well, that's this movie's 20 years old. It's okay to to spoil it, but there's some movies. They just shouldn't be spoiled, no matter how long they've been out. Like because if you've never if you've never seen it, then the entire watchability of the movie is gone once you know 
something that happens in the end. Usual Did, Suspects uh, takes the top of that list. For that's, me. That's, yeah, that yeah. was on my list. Not that it was bad, not that I anything disturbed me, but it's like once you know the secret, there's really no point in watching it again. And does yeah, that yeah. mean the movie is not ultimately that good? Okay, here, here's, here's question. something. That, that's an excellent question, Chris, and this is something I've, I, I'd love to get everybody's opinion on, if you don't mind me hijacking this a little bit. Sean. Go for it, yeah. Because um, we talk about this with Star Trek a lot. Uh, and 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 uh, Moon Show too, even. Um, Moon Show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it fair to judge a film, TV show, whatever, on its rewatchability, or should it really only be judged on the first viewing? And because, especially you know, prior to let's say 1985. Uh, yeah, let's say let's say let's say 1989. Be generous, because prior to that, seeing a movie more than once was a rare thing for most people. You know, you had to actually go to the cinema to watch it over and over again if you wanted to. And then, once it was no longer in the movie theaters, you had to wait for some, you know, some network to show it a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. So especially movies that were made prior to the 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 uh available media age uh is it fair to judge them on their rewatchability i'm not i don't even know how i feel about that to be honest i would say it is only in the sense that a movie can't be just one thing and be successful so say you didn't like the twist if that was the whole thing the movie was predicated on, then the movie is really not a success. But if you can watch something despite the twist and know what the twist is, but still find things to enjoy in it, even though you know everything that's going to come and why things are set up the way they are, you can maybe revel in those details as the movie goes on. And we'll go with M. Night. I would say that um, I haven't revisited Sixth Sense since maybe the second or third time I watched it. The Tom rule right there. But um, I have watched Unbreakable countless times because I find more to like in that movie every time I watch it. So I I don't know that there's a rule. I just know that there's a personal satisfaction quotient that I have where if I know a twist in a movie and I can still watch it, that's a good thing. Um, if, If I know a twist in a movie and I have no interest in going back to it because the movie was just predicated on that twist, then to me it's just, it's a one trick pony. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the older movies... I mean, yeah, it was rare to to see it more than once when it initially came out. But it, they did a lot of they banked a lot on re releasing movies because uh, every ten years or so they would release a movie that's been out for thirty years, put it back out in the theaters, so people would want to go out and see it again. If you, if it's not rewatchable, then they're not going to sell tickets to do that. You know, especially mm-hmm. some of the bigger movies like The Wizard of Oz and Casablanca and stuff like that before. We had VHS. They would say, "Oh, Casablanca is going to be showing down at the the plaza next weekend or whatever," you know, and people would go down and see it. You know, so I think that there's been there's an argument to say uh, that it needs to be rewatchable, even going all the way back to the beginning of cinema, because just because of that, they want people to come back and watch it again when they when they release it again. Yeah, any art form should be 
able to be absorbed more than once. If it if it doesn't hold up a second time, then it's not good art. I I I would only okay. I I agree with you on a lot of art forms, um, but as a theater person, I would disagree because one of the which is one of the reasons why when people are like, oh, that show should have been videoed, uh, a lot of us in the business uh, don't like that because one of the best things about live theater is the ephemeral nature of it, is that you come, you experience it with us, and then that performance will never happen again. Every night, there's going to be something different. Yeah, it's different every time, but it's still the same work of art. Yeah, yeah. We have to, because we, we get into this all the time, uh, and I have to tell my students that there comes a point in, in the production process where you have to step back and realize that a lot of the things that are driving you crazy, a lot of the little teeny things you're trying to fix, no one's going to notice it when they watch it the first time through, and very few people are going to come see it a second time. And so we have to kind of unclench and just let the, let, let the show flow and not get so uptight about little tiny details. But movies, I don't know that they have that luxury, especially not anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that theater and movies are completely different animals. Yeah. And I feel like you can watch productions of an opera, different productions get different things out of different productions, but they're always the same story. Um, I would argue that, I mean, you know the twist of Wrath of Khan, you know the twist of uh, Empire, Still, you go back to those movies again and again and again because there are themes in those films that you enjoy, characters that you enjoy, things that keep you coming back besides I Am Your Father, besides Spock Dies. Spoilers. Um, I, yeah. But, but if, if Wrath of Khan was wholly predicated on Spock's death, then it would not be everybody's preeminent Star Trek film. If Empire wasn't, you know more than I am your father, you know it to be true, then we wouldn't go back to that. And I think, I think pretty accurately point to it as the height of the Star Wars franchise for most people. So I mean, there, there are many more layers to those films that, that keep us coming back, even though they have these endings, even though they have these, these twists. So I, I think that if the twist is all, then then you don't you don't have a lot of um, staying power. All right, Scott, what about you? What's your was was the first one on your list? Um, I I was not able to put these in an order of like you know most to least uh, as far as won't watch it again. But one that jumps out from my list, a uh, strong one for me, uh, is Old Boy, the original, not the remake. Um, anyone on the panel seen the original Old Boy? Oh hell I no! Have it. <laughs> and can I? Ask no, me, I know you're saying about it. <laughs> you're saying Old Boy, not Oh Boy. Correct. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Correct. Oh boy is a podcast that we're not going to talk about. Um, uh, <laughs> old Boy for. I understood that reference. Thank you, yeah. Sean. <laughs> I I won't go back and uh, you know try to give like a plot synopsis. Um, if anyone's interested, you know, go go read one or go watch the movie. I, I think it's I think it's a great movie that people should uh, 
uh, not hesitate to watch because it's very well made. It's a Korean uh, it's horror ver- film, right? Uh, Korean, uh, not really horror film, but more uh, 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 drama, thriller, kind of a noirish. Um, yeah, yeah, not 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 really not a horror movie. Um, okay, there are scenes in it that I would certainly go back and and rewatch. There's a a famed uh, one man versus uh, dozens of attackers fight scene in a hallway that uh, it it gets a lot of accolades that particular fight scene and and for good reason. Um, but some of the themes in the film. Uh, are a little bit disturbing. You don't necessarily want to go back and, and put yourself through it. Uh, some people don't enjoy watching the scene where the main character eats a live octopus and they accomplish that by having the actor eat a live octopus. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, and I, I think it might've been like all in one shot too. Um, uh, but all of that would be, valid reasons for people to decide they don't want to watch the movie again. Um, this one also has a, a very particular connection to uh, an ex and I do not need that reminder in my life. So I, I shan't be going back to rewatch old boy. Now to be fair, eating a live octopus is not uncommon in some parts of the world. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. it's, it's not, not always the most pleasant thing to watch in a movie, right. especially <laughs> if you're Westerners like us. Yeah. It's one okay. of the more disturbing in, uh, scenes in The Boys. <laughs> Rick, what about you? <laughs> Give us one off your list. All right. Uh, I actually was surprised at how many I came up with. I thought I only had a, a few. But um, uh, I'm going to put two together because it's for the same reasons. Uh, Platoon and Saving Private Ryan. I can see that. Uh, I've never both, seen Platoon, but I can but I can see the other. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Platoon was... I. And I, I didn't research this, but it, 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 in my experience and, you know, my subjective reality, uh, Platoon was the first Vietnam War movie I saw. Uh, and it brutalized me. Uh, and, I mean, it was, as far as I know, the first, if, if not the first, one of the first films that, it, that tried to give an accurate portrayal of what being in the Vietnam War was like. Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now was not terribly realistic, though. Apocalypse Now was very stylized. Platoon was not. And that's, that's, and and I'm not, I'm not discounting Apocalypse Now. And I, that's why I said one of, and I didn't research it. (laughs) Um, And then, but I, I remember coming out of that film traumatized mm. uh, and I think I mean I mean and, and you know and to be perfectly honest I, I guess this was this was probably what 1986 ish uh, 586 something like that um, I, I never went back to it and I don't really remember a whole lot about it uh, you know the specifics of it but just it was just you know it 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 did not hold back on any of the absolute horror of what being involved in that war was. And then many, many years later, Saving Private Ryan, which took World War II, which was quote-unquote the clean war, 
you know, was, you know, John Wayne and the Green Berets. And, you know, whenever somebody got killed in that war, it was just, a, ah, they fell down. And, and you know, uh, and they showed us just how ugly and horrible World War II was. Because everyone knew, world, you know, Vietnam was, was, a, was a shit show and we shouldn't have been there. And it was, it was nasty and it was terrible. And, you know, went from hating the people that fought there to pitying them. Uh, so platoon wasn't really a shock so much as just just a, a trauma. Um, not sure if that's a adequate <laughs> dichotomy, but you know World War II. Before and again, this is my my personal experience. World War II prior to Saving Private Ryan was all heroism, and we've got to defeat the evil that is spreading and and and. Have have you all seen Saving Private Ryan? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw it in theater. Yeah. That is a brutal film. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And 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 rightfully so. And you know, I I, I visited uh, the D Day beaches when I went to a tr- on a trip to France in my senior year of high school, and we drove past the D Day beaches, and, and I was like, wow, that probably sucked a lot. <laughs> and then you see Private Ryan, and you're like, holy fucking shit how did anyone not only survive that but win and and just the the violence in that film was i i still have nightmares about the scene where the the guy is fighting the german soldier and the german soldier stabs him really slowly mhm um it it's i mean it's a brilliant film for the most part, I, you know, I only saw it once. We'll never watch it again. So I don't know, you know, I can't say how good the movie is, how it stands up to rewatches or stuff, but that's kind of the whole point of our discussion. Uh, I'm glad I saw it. I never want to see it again. I think it was a very important film. And the same with Platoon. Glad I saw it. Never going to, if I, if someone gives me the DVD, the Blu-ray, the 4K, whatever, it will sit on the shelf, <laughs> gather dust and never get opened. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when Seven Prop Running came out and I went and saw it. <clears throat> uh, I think I went and saw it the weekend it opened and I thought it was a great film. I mean, I was a big Spielberg fan and everything, but it's one of those that I've never felt the need to put that back in the, <laughs> yeah, back in the DVD player and relive it, you know? Um, all right, Chris, what about you? You got one? Um, if we're going to go with movies that... Well, here's one that I've seen a lot and that I really liked, um, but because my wife likes it so much, she watches it all the time, and if I never see it again, it'll be too soon, even though it's a fantastic film. I'm going to say Hurt Locker. Uh, I love Jeremy <laughs> Renner, and yeah. um, he was fantastic in that film. That film is a masterpiece. Uh, but my wife has watched it so many times that if I see Jeremy Rudder standing befuddled in a cereal aisle one more time, it'll be too much. So I would I would say that um, I would recommend everybody to watch that film. It has a lot of important things to say, but it's not something I'm interested in seeing again. And... Um, that's funny because my wife watches a lot of difficult films. I can always find something in them to cling to, 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 to get me through if we're going to watch them together again. But like Hurt Locker, I, I feel like I know what the movie's trying to do. 
I figured it out, and now it's just repeating some of the same dire things over and over and over again. So, have you guys seen Hurt Locker? Yeah, I saw it the year that it didn't it win a it, did it win an Oscar? I know it was nominated. I don't know if it did. You might be confusing it with Zero Dark Thirty, which is another perennial Laura film. So um, yeah, it was yeah. nominated for it was nominated for nine Oscars. It didn't win any of them, but it was a. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic film. Oh, actually, it did. It, it won. It won. It was the first best picture winner to have been directed by a woman. So it won best picture that year. That, that's okay. about EOD people, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah but it's it, also but. it's also about just you know how profoundly disconnected they can be and how they find more satisfaction in being in the war zone than they can ever find in quote um, comfortable real life. And um, it's it's very it's illustrated greatly in the film when Jeremy Renner gets out of he gets out of the desert he goes home he has no idea how to conduct himself he has no idea how to comport himself at least when he's in the shit he can put on the bomb suit and he's of use and that's when he feels connected that's when he feels whole even though it's tearing him apart because there are scenes in the movie that are brutal they're just in the barracks beating the shit out of each other but. At the same time, it's the only way that they can feel alive. It, it's, it says so many things, and it's a very powerful film, but I've seen it so many times that I don't know if I ever want to see it again. I would recommend everybody watch it at least once. Okay, uh, the, the first one I have on my list is uh, Midsommar. And it might be one of the most difficult movies I've ever sat through. The, the story is that there's a group of students, at, like college students, and they're leaving the school for holiday. And they all go home with, um, with one of the students that lives in another country. He's taking them back to his country to experience this festival that his, that his, uh, that his people do every, every year, the Midsommar Festival. And they're going to have fun. They're going to learn about a new culture. And hopefully they're going to get some material for a student film that they want to do. And it all turns very, very bad for them. <laughs> so uh, have any of you guys ever seen Midsommar? I read a synopsis. I saw it for mm. the first time very recently, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, without spoiling, there are some. There are a lot of gruesome deaths in this movie. Mm-hmm. And a few of them... So as a cinephile, I love special effects and I love to watch uh, I watch a lot of um, old horror movies to see and, and you know I like to death scenes in most films don't really affect me because I'm I, I see it as oh I wonder how they did that you know it and uh, no, that's a lot of corn syrup you know that kind of stuff but um, in this I mean there's some death scenes in this movie I'm like I don't know how they did that without actually killing somebody <laughs> you know so uh, that, they were pretty realistic, and, this, and there's just so much of it. And so I watched the movie, and I got through it, and I thought it was a really well done and very uh, s- suspenseful and, and, and everything. I was enamored by everything about the, every frame of the movie. I just I don't ever want to watch that again, you know? <laughs> so, Virginia, I mean, what did, what did you think of it? I... I did not know a whole lot about the movie before I watched it. Um, it was uh, more disturbing than I expected. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not something I would just pop on for, you know, a, a casual night of movie viewing. It's yeah, it's difficult to watch. Flick, you know? <laughs> it's difficult. It's good, but it's difficult to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. You didn't have a problem with yeah. But you're dead inside. We, we've established well, that. Well, yeah. Uh, horror <laughs> movies don't get me, typically. I, I, I'm just like, okay, whatever. That, yeah, I, me I don't, either. I don't, get, I don't get scared by movies. I don't get affected that from that sort of thing. It's but not... <laughs> it's not... So the horror movies don't scare me, but there are... That one in particular, it didn't scare me. It just... There was just a mood that came from it. I got a vibe from it, you know, that just, it it was very interesting. It was very well done. C- cinematically, it was great and everything. But the, just the mood that I got watching it, I didn't want to, I didn't want to watch it again. Can I, can I ask, I haven't seen Midsummer, but Neek, have you seen, there's an American remake, but uh, there are two films called Funny Games, where two guys just basically terrorize a family. And just when you think it can't get any bleaker, it gets even worse. And, like, I can't watch that movie again uh, because it seems too real. It's not stylized enough. And I can see what you're saying where if you're watching a horror movie, it's de rigueur. It's like you expect a certain level of gore or whatever. You expect to be shocked. But something like 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 the movie funny games and i don't know i think it was originally french i don't know what it was called in french but um like i can't go back to it It wasn't even it wasn't even on my list but when you were talking about uh midsummer sean it reminded me of that like but the thing is i wouldn't recommend anybody to watch that movie either because i just found it harrowing from beginning to end because the tension just never lets up and it just gets worse mm-hmm. so is there a level, I guess, where I'm going with this, Neek, where you can see a film and it subverts your expectations and affects you in a way that you didn't expect it to affect you because you, you thought you were in for, oh, this is a horror. I know what I'm going to get. That, that kind of thing. I mean, I don't like torture porn type stuff. Yeah. I, I find that mm-hmm. distasteful. So I've seen horror movies where, you know, I thought the twist was interesting or, you know, like Blair Witch. I was like, yeah, this is a good movie. This is enjoyable. Not the least bit scary, but I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. So it was like subverting my expectations to a degree there. Mind you, I've only seen that one once and I don't even really remember. I just remember, (laughs) you know, it ending and then the person I saw it with being like, like, being so affected by it and being like, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. And like, but did you get it at the end? This is this. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so? <laughs> like, but I mean, I'm like, how far do I take your question? I mean, because I'm not dead inside, you know, because I'm, I do have a lot of movies on my list that I don't want to see again because I was traumatized or, you know, deeply upset by them. Just they're just not horror movies. I hope oh, you know okay. I was kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I understand your point, Rick. Because indeed, I I'm often I don't know like surprised by other people's perceptions of things because like I 
just didn't see it that way. <laughs> but, but I mean, my example of a movie that I never want to see again is where I was in that position of looking at someone else being like, how can you not be upset by this? Because this is a movie I saw, it came out in 2000. I saw it in the theater with a friend who at the time was undiagnosed, but turns out he has autism. And this movie is absolutely beautiful. It's a musical, but it's not what you think when it comes to musicals, because it was filmed in Depresso Vision. It's Dancer in the Dark, stars Bjork. Hmm. It is so upsetting. It is so depressing. Everybody in the theater was sobbing openly when this movie was ending, except for my one friend next to me being like, literally, he was like, do you have something in your eye? I'm like, <laughs> that's me. Like, are you not watching what I'm watching? And so, like I said, gorgeous movie and, you know, musical numbers that are absolutely stunning. And I'm like, I can't, I cannot watch it again. Well, I mean, I mean, there's some there's some things that just hit different people different ways. Because I mean, some people see a a film and they're bawling their eyes out, and and it doesn't affect me. And then I see the episode of Smallville where Clark's dad dies, and I'm <laughs> bawling my eyes out. Well, <laughs> yes. So the guy I saw it with who has autism, he cries at Robocop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His well, name is Murphy. Is Please poignant. don't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Virginia. What's the next one you got? Um, I my next one is uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Hmm. Um, really good, Louise Fletcher, Chef's Kiss. Um, but the way, like, treatment of of mentally ill people is such a problem in this country. And it's so upsetting to watch whether it whether it was over dramatized or not. The fact is, like uh, electric shock treatments and um, abuse and medication, uh, all all of this did happen and still does happen to some degree. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate treatment of Jack Nicholson was not uncommon either. Um, and it's just. Like having so many people in my life with mental illness and seeing the treatment that actually happened to mentally, it, it's too upset. It's too exciting to watch again. It's just, yeah. it's a no for me. Yeah, I've, I've seen it once just because I was kind of going through a list of these are the movies you have to see before you die. And that's, and that's one of them. And I watched it. And uh, yeah, I was the same way. I was like, eh, I mean, it's a it's a decent movie, but man, it's it's got some disturbing stuff here. I never it's really, based on a book, well, right? I've never read the yeah, book. Yeah, Ken Kesey. Now they did do a Netflix did a series called Ratchet a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I haven't and, uh, seen that. It was, I mean, it was okay, but it was nothing like that. It was it way Sarah, more Sarah, Sarah like Paulson. American Horror Story yeah. kind of stuff. And, yeah. yeah, because Sarah Paulson, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Fletcher is such a great villain because, oh, yeah. you know, wow. Deep Space Nine. Yeah, she, I mean, I, I'm trying to, I, I think she's a better villain than Khan, actually. I mean, Kai Wynn, <laughs> Kai Wynn might be the best Star Trek villain of all time. But she so, got great. more time to be yeah. developed. That's, that's. 
that's a different show. <laughs> we yes, can, that's a whole Back that's to a whole different episode. Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> anyway, now I did read. I read Ken Kesey's novel because it was in my local bookstore, and I said, "Well, Cuckoo's Nest. That's you know that's iconic. So let me read that." And I read it. And uh, then I watched the film, and it is such a 70s film. It's such a shaggy dog of a film. There are so many things going on in the movie, but um, the standout to me was Louise Fletcher. And the fact that Danny DeVito, even though Danny DeVito was always old, even on Taxi, he looks like a baby in that movie. But he still looks like Danny DeVito. So it was a very, it was very odd experience watching that film. Um, I don't know that I wouldn't go back to it. I think that I wouldn't go back to it just because it didn't intrigue me that much. It didn't upset me either, but I, I don't know that there's much to recommend to it. I haven't yeah. watched it since I was fairly young, and it, it didn't bother me when I watched it in my 20s, but it may, I, I thinking about it now, it would probably really mess with me now. I probably wouldn't be able to get through it. Um, Tom, what's the, what's the next one you got? I'm going to go with uh, Castaway. Okay. Uh, that almost made my list. Okay, so it's not that there's a twist necessarily, but I mean, you get it all there. It's you know they go through there through the movie. It just it it's a a good film, but I just personally don't see any rewatchability on it. And judging by all the bobbing heads when I said it in our you know, audio environment here. I'd say that you guys kind of agree on that one too. So never saw it. Well, I saw it when it came out and I saw it again, uh, maybe a year or so later I had, I had bought it on DVD and, um, I think it's a great movie. I think, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of good stuff in it. And, uh, Tom Hanks has always been one of my favorites. And I think just the fact that he's making this movie, almost completely on his own. You know, he's completely alone in most of the movie. If you can carry a movie by yourself, you know, that's a mark of a pretty great actor. And, um, but yeah, I mean, at the, at the same time, once you, once you've seen it, you've seen it, you know? <laughs> and, I mean, I'm one who rewatches movies a lot. I mean, especially older ones. Like when I was young, it was, you know, with, with the advent of, um, videotapes you know we were re-watching movies over and over and you can quote them and I mean I've got it audibly stuck in my head where if there's a pitch change or something like that I can hear that um, mm-hmm. but yeah this is one just I look at it and, and no it's good I just no, nothing I'm going to get out of it again here's here's a funny question I have and maybe um Maybe it's not a distinction to y'all, but like there are movies where you might seek them out to watch again. Like for me, like Blues Brothers. If if it's on streaming, I'll watch Blues Brothers or Raiders or Rathacon or whatever. But like Castaway, I wouldn't necessarily put on. But if I stumbled across it on TNT, I might leave it on. Same thing with like a Shawshank or is Castaway something that if you stumbled across it, you would just maybe leave it on as yeah, opposed not, to would, seeking I, it out? And I is that a distinction? It. Yeah, it's not a movie that I would avoid. You know, I, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed it when I saw it. Uh, so, yeah, if I came across it on TV, I'd, you know, I'd watch pieces of it. I don't know if I'd watch it all the way to the end. 
But yeah. There's, especially the stuff on the island. The stuff on the island is the best part, you know. I, I don't know if it would get past the first commercial break. You know, <laughs> gotcha. If it would right. hold me to, to wait through that. So. Okay, okay. It almost made my list of 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 no more rewatches based on one scene. The tooth? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. Um uh my ex wanted to uh watch that like all three of us, um uh her and I and and my stepson uh have all three of us watch it for a uh, a family movie night. Uh, okay, fine. Sounds good. And once I knew that scene was beginning, I got up, and my office was off of the basement. So I got up, walked across the room, and said, I'll be back in a couple minutes. <laughs> and I just yeah. hid in my office till that scene was over. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty brutal when I saw it. But It's, it's the, so- the sound design is what does it. It's when, when the metal of that ice skate blade touches the tooth. <laughs> You're giving me chills right now. Right? Um the um everybody laughs about the Wilson thing, you know, with the volleyball, which I mean it is. It's funny. There there's there's some funny parts where Tom Hanks is sitting here having a conversation with this volleyball. But man, when he loses that volleyball <laughs> in the ocean, Scott you know, you're just you're devastated, word. you know. That's a devastating no. scene. <laughs> Sean said a bad word. Uh, yeah, I had to lower my voice too cuz I can't say that. <laughs> And he said that word not too long ago, and we had to have a talk. <laughs> yippee ki yay <laughs> All right, who's next? Uh, Scott, you were next, I think. All right, um, something else I put on my list, and I really felt like Rick when oh. I added this movie. <laughs> um, it, it's not even a movie that I've really thought about in in years, but... It's in my expansive digital media library on my computer. And as I was running through all the titles, I came across this one. I said, oh, I probably have this because it, there was an episode of We Hate Movies about it. And I like to have those just in case for reference. But it's not something that I'm going to go back and, and watch again. And I realized why, so it had to go on the list. And that would be Ransom, starring Mel Gibson. Oh, Yeah. And the reason I feel like Rick is because while usually I don't find myself bothered by this sort of thing, it was the the constant child endangerment throughout the course of the movie. Because okay. the entire movie is predicated on a kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And I you know, kudos to, to Ron Howard. He he made a, a very uncomfortable movie in that. And I, I don't need to go back. See, I saw. I know how it ends. That's that's good enough for me. Yeah, Hollywood loved that movie for a long time. They were. I mean, it was like network night at the movie, like at least once a year for several years. I was like, They're showing ransom again. <laughs> Which, to be fair, I mean, almost every episode of Law and Order is is the same thing. But you know, I I I, I understand what you're saying. I, I agree with you. There was. There's some a lot of tense moments in that movie. Yeah, great great performances. Yeah, well, the kid, yeah, the kid did a great job of making it believable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I, I thought uh, you know, Renee Russo was outstanding. Gary Sinise, mm-hmm. it's hard to find Gary Sinise not being great. Yeah, yeah, but 
just very uncomfortable the whole way through. And people love Mel Gibson shouting into the phone, give me back my son. Yeah. (laughs) That's not enough. All right, Rick, what about you? All right, I'm going to go into a, a, a weird angle here because this is a movie that is kind of beloved, especially amongst uh, uh, my my circle of friends. And I just think it, it just, I'm glad I saw it, uh, but it I didn't think it was the comedic juggernaut the rest of the world seems to think it is, and that's Raising Arizona. <gasps> Blasphemy, <laughs> indeed. I've never seen it. Big surprise. It's oh, amazing. Man. It's amazing. It's it's a really good movie. I will go rewatch it tonight. <laughs> I will rewatch it right now. <laughs> Chris uh, has left the podcast. <laughs> and it's like it's not one of those films. I mean, there there are plenty of movies out there that I think are overrated that I don't understand why. I get that this is a really well made film. It's just a particular brand of humor that doesn't necessarily work for me. Uh, so I watched it. I've seen it. I can talk about it. I feel no need to ever revisit it. Can you define brand of humor for Raising Arizona, which I would say is kind of like broad farce, borderline insulting to a certain demographic, the, uh, yeah. and, and something and something that actually like you see as funny and you can go back to that you really enjoy? Raising Arizona, and and just to qualify. Uh, based on some um, on what Scott was just saying, it's not the fact that a child is kidnapped because I saw this long before I became a father, before I became a parent. My sense of humor is more along the lines of you know Monty Python, uh, airplane that that sort of gotcha. absurdist highbrow. Not always. <laughs> I, I can appreciate a good fart joke with everybody else. Um, I think Tom was being facetious, Rick. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, although you know, I, I had a I had an, a, a disagreement with my mother about Monty Python because she was like, "Oh, they are just so crude." I'm like, one of my favorite sketches of theirs is where miners are arguing about classical architecture <laughs> and the definition of a plinth. <laughs> you know, they could they could they could go both ways, um, but. Raising Arizona, I don't even know how I could define it. It's a kind of humor that depends on misery, I think. And that is, that is a humor. I've, it's, it's like, uh, you know, everybody raved about Simon Pegg's uh, first big series, Space, from the UK. And I tried to watch it, and it's something that's very common in British sitcoms that I don't care for. I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't care for it. And that is people being absolutely awful to each other. Uh, I tried to watch Spaced. Didn't like it. I tried to watch Father Ted, which is, you know, a, a, a huge juggernaut of a show in England. And it's just people yelling at each other and being absolutely horrible to each other. Uh, and Raising Arizona was just a lot of misery and, and, and sadness packaged as a comedy. And it just, I just didn't, it, I didn't enjoy it. I'm glad I watched it. I could certainly acknowledge that it's a very well done film and I don't begrudge anyone finding it funny. And I don't say, oh, you like that? What the hell's wrong with you? But it just, it just didn't work for me. Some of that can also be, you know, you're changing tastes over time and, and what you find funny too. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I suppose that could work with any genre, not just humor, but um, 
you know something that you may have liked before and it just comes back and it just doesn't hit the same as when when you first watched it i mean austin uh, powers yeah that could be i I experienced that just last week i rewatched one of them it's like that this was funny i I was uh thinking american pie Mm, Mm, yeah i I would mm, i would say scrubs the the show (laughs) does not hold up okay i picked up Robin Hood Men in Tight uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights at Walmart. It was in the five dollar bin. I was like, yoink, and then watched it and went, Oh like, yeah. that doesn't that doesn't you stand need, the test of time. You need four ninety nine back is what you just said <laughs> <Yeah>. on that. <laughs> I, I'm not even talking about how the the movie, the content may not hold up. You know, because of the the overall passage of time i'm just talking like your own personal mm-hmm. tastes of change you know I, i'd like to think that i've matured a little bit since like american pie came out and that's why i just no it's just so cringy now it could be yeah. the, you know the how it just it doesn't hold up i would be cringing if i was if my daughter was in the room when it was on. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And also that's also personal stuff because like American pie two is one of my all time favorite movies and favorite soundtracks. So I have a soft <laughs> spot for that particular franchise. So we've seen all of them and it's one of the franchises uh, who could ever have guessed this, that my wife likes. She doesn't like anything <laughs> and she likes American pie. So, okay, let's watch it together. It's one of the few things we can watch together. So, but I hear you, Tom, I hear you. Well, I think it also goes back to uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the movies that you, uh, find that you like really love goes back to the first time that you saw it, what yeah. the circumstances were, what your age was. The first time that I saw raised in Arizona, I was probably, Oh, when did that movie come out? 1985, something like that. I feel like I might have seen that in the theater. I, I could so be wrong. I was wrong, probably yeah. eight years old, and uh, my dad was watching it. My dad loved that movie. And uh, and so it was on a lot when I was growing up, and he quoted it, and then I would start quoting it, and we would watch it together, you know. So I have a lot of those kinds of memories to go along with it, you know. My dad loved to get in the car and start driving and, and say, I love to drive. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but but you know you have a lot of those kinds of nostalgic memories that go along with certain movies, and I think that's just it could be. That, I, that's one I think them, I was so. in my my late twenties, early thirties when I saw it, so that may yeah. that may be an issue. That may be part of it. Um, Neek, what about you? I I just want to say, Rick, like I get you on your thing with the uh, like humor based on misery i also i can't handle humor that's based on like that's mean-spirited where it's just people being mean to each other i can't handle that either but anyway in terms of uh (laughs) movies that i acknowledge are good but i i can't handle or don't want to handle for whatever reason and i'm not even sure i can articulate why i cannot stand stories about drug addiction so like at this point in my life, if I know a movie is about drug addiction, I'm not even going to go see it once. <laughs> but in my younger days, it was like it gradually became a hard and fast rule. And so there are many movies I could name that I've seen that I never want to see again that are drug addiction movies. But the one that really deeply traumatized me. Can I guess? 
Yes. Requiem for a Dream. Of course. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that one, like, you know, it's a movie. I acknowledge this is a good movie, but the, the, the last <clears throat> scene is embedded in my mind, and I, I'm freaking traumatized. Yeah. I was horrified by that movie, and... Yeah, and it just it will not leave my brain, and I resent that. It's yeah. funny, yeah. That darn Aronofsky, Aaron, Aronofsky. It, yeah. It's one of the. It's it's maybe the only film I can go back to that has Jared Leto in it and still watch it, because it's <laughs> such a well made film, and you have Shooter McGavin, uh, Enterprise C dude, as was it Tappy Tippy Time for Tappy, and Ellen Burstyn, and it, it's such a good movie. It's so well made. Um, I would argue that one and Train Spotting are my two. And Train Spotting actually turned me on to Irvine Welsh. I've read all of his novels because of Train Spotting. So Train Spotting was the first movie to make me think about drug addiction in a different way. So I didn't see them all as um, losers and wastes. I saw them as victims and people. And um, I feel like Requiem achieves that as well even though it's very much more stylized it's very much more aronofsky as opposed to but train spotting is guy Ritchie, so that's that's stylized too that's that's also very much the auteur coming through in the way that movie was filmed but um yeah i will go back that's another one i would say if, if it was on would you leave it on for both of those i would say yes train spotting especially because i adore it but requiem for a dream is something that i shouldn't enjoy as much as i do but i do and you know the misery and it hits you every time and that to me is a more of a well-made film because it, it's kind of like a twist or like a joke or like whatever, you know where these characters are going and you still feel for them every time you see them go through it. It's like it, it just, it, it hits you a certain way and it's not a feeling that you like seek out, you know? So you don't want to go back and you don't want to watch it again because you know what it's going to make you feel. But it's also the subject matter is something that's important yeah. to think about, you know? So some of these movies are important to exist and I don't blame anybody for not wanting to watch them. Train spotting, I think I, I mean I hadn't seen it in so long, but I know did they do a second one? Did they, they did, train yeah. Spotting it was, too? Well, yeah. they called it T two. Um, there are a couple of train spotting books, like adjacent. Train spotting was the first one that made Irvine Welsh sort of break out, and he's done I think three or four novels with those characters even though all of his books are kind of interconnected like some people show up in some some people show up in others and they all come and go but i mean with rent boy and simon and 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 spud and begbie there are four novels that that encapsulate their friendship and from you know their school days to their old age so um train spotting though ultimately ended on an optimistic note Whereas Requiem just it's just yeah. bleak. It's just it's just the end. All just ca- like the, the lives of a lot of drug drug addicts. Yeah. I mean, they don't yeah. always end with healing. So sometimes they end with death. You know, so yeah. a lot of times they do. So well, all of ours do, to be honest. I've, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've got several on my list, but I think uh, the 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 one that I'm gonna bring up is. Schindler's List. I knew it was going to come up. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, it ends up on a lot of lists of like the greatest movies of all time and stuff. And it's, I mean, it's certainly considered one of the most historically significant films ever made, not just because of the subject matter, which is, you know, the Holocaust, but also because of the film itself. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, it stars Liam Neeson. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole plot, mainly because it's been 25 years since I saw it, and I don't know if I can remember enough of the key points to to do it any justice but it was a really powerful film and, and and it really made you feel the hopelessness that Schindler felt in the decisions that he was that he was having to make essentially he had to choose who lives and who dies and and I remember that the first time that I saw it was it came on network television and it was presented uncensored by Ford you know so they didn't they didn't show any commercials during the movie. I think they broke in like once every hour to show a short Ford commercial. And then they would go back to the movie. And it was, you know, I've never seen network TV do that since. You know, show a movie uncensored and uncut and and, and as it was meant to be seen. Other than, you know, being in the theater. Ironically, but, um, I think the only other time I've seen that was Saving Private Ryan. I think they showed it on oh, CBS okay. one year or something. Yeah. And... Equally traumatizing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but there's there, there's many aspects of that film that were disturbing enough to me that it made me not go back, even though even though it's one of the greatest films of all time, and 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 everyone should experience, it, and I agree with that. Everyone should experience this film, but you know, and the Holocaust is, was a real thing, but exposing yourself to something like that over and over and over can you know do you some damage so <laughs> once i think was all i could stay <laughs> well chris chris and i were talking about this on the on the chat earlier today um i i was in middle school when the miniseries the holocaust aired and i don't know if any of y'all saw it but um Mm-mm. Uh, i don't think i did we we they sent out uh uh packets to schools with supplemental materials and I don't know if the if the, the movies they showed us were, were part of it or they just had them in the you know in the in the library or whatever. But we studied the absolute hell out of it. And you know, sixth grade, so I'm twelve. Um studying the Holocaust. I mean bulldozers pushing piles yeah. of bodies into pits and stuff you know, you know, they didn't pull any punches. Uh and then I moved to South Florida which has a, a huge, mostly retired Jewish uh, population. And I've done plenty of theater about the Holocaust and about the, the death camps and stuff like that. So when Schindler's List came out, I was like, you know what? I know this. I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't need to, to see this again. I, I appreciate that it's a very important film and that it probably opened the eyes of a lot of people, especially people of my uh, genetic background who had no idea or just sort of, yeah, that was other people. I don't, you know, or that was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did not watch it and probably never will. So Rick, can you just, have you not seen Schindler's List at all? Or did no. you see it once? Or? No, didn't, didn't see it at all. Okay, so let me speak to uh, just to a couple of things. Um, in middle school, I also took um, a course on the Holocaust. It was like a half a semester. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most harrowing things I ever did. And yeah. I saw the same footage you did of the bodies being bulldozed into the pits. And you just can't get that out of your mind. Yeah. Um, at the same time... Um, 
I mentioned this on 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 the text, so uh, I should maybe just give context. My wife has been studying the Holocaust ever since I met her, and we celebrate 30 years together this month. And that's not including really? dating. So she has a Holocaust library that I would say rivals most Holocaust museums. That's mm-hmm. how much she studies it. I have seen Chernobyl's List dozens of times. It was a movie that was on more than The Hurt Locker in my house because it was just something that spoke to her interests. And I can tell you this. It's not what you're thinking where it's just you know mass um, atrocities perpetrated there are atrocities in the film the film is bleak at times but it's not just um misery without context Mm. and you're doing yourself a disservice by not watching the film because as someone who's seen it multiple multiple times it holds up on every level and I'm talking about humor. There is so much humor in that movie. There is so much pathos in that movie. There is so much horror in that movie. Everything about that film just sinks. And you think that after you watch it multiple times that the seams would start to show. Mm-hmm. In this film, it doesn't. And I feel like we've been giving um, Spielberg kind of a bum rap on this show because we're talking about um, Castaway. We're talking about Saving Private Ryan. We're talking about Schindler's List as things that are so affecting that maybe you don't want to go back to them because they stir things within you that are uncomfortable. But again, they're films that are so well made, that's why they do that. And I would say that, I wouldn't say you owe it to yourself. Nobody nobody has to watch anything they don't want to. Mm-hmm. But Schindler's List might surprise you because it doesn't it doesn't wallow in that horror. It has so many more layers. It has so much more character. It, it contextualizes so much, and it is such an affecting and amazing film. Hmm. Uh, it stands up to multiple multiple viewings. So um, I don't I don't know that I'd watch it with your daughter just yet. No, but <laughs> but it has a message. And it, it, it tells its story very effectively. And it is Steven Spielberg at his height. Like, I mean, you know, better than Cats, better than E.T. So. <laughs> Wait, Spielberg did Cats? <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg, by the way, Spielberg didn't do Castaway. That was Zemeckis. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was Spielberg. No, that was Zemeckis? Okay. okay. Yep. Yeah. Back to the future. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Chris, nobody's ever said that to me before. No one's ever defended the film. I, I will consider it. Honestly, I have seen that film so many times. There are musical cues in that film that I still have playing in my head, kind of like I have Wrath of Khan soundtrack playing in my head. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's how ingrained it is in me, and it's not one of my interests. It's something that I stumbled upon tangentially because of my partner. Yeah. But it's something that spoke to me as well, even though it was, quote, her thing. Does anybody have any that they want to throw out before we uh, end things that you just really want to put on on the show? I will say just like a general category, since um, other people have mentioned that, is where the, the actors are... Um, literally being harmed on set, and I'm thinking like oh, Tarantino, Hedron, Tippy Hedron and the Birds. Um, like there was, what was the one scene? Anyway, things where people are actually getting hurt, usually without their own. Not like it's not something they said. I'm gonna do my own stunts, whatever. 
they're being actually harmed on set. Like they that were really sort of tricked me. into filming a scene that they didn't realize was actually going to hurt them. Tarantino, exactly. Kubrick, exactly. Hitchcock. Yeah. The mm-hmm. people that abuse their... Particularly their women actors. I, I've killed Bill on my list. I enjoyed the movie. I never want to... Both of them. I never want to see them again. It's the only Tarantino film I enjoyed. But... I don't feel the need to see it again. And I and, put in any Tarantino film I've seen, that's what I wrote on my list. <laughs> well, I thought about I, putting putting uh, uh, Pulp Fiction on here, but I didn't think it was a good movie. So, <laughs> and I'll 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 fight you on that one too. I no, found I'm not gonna I'm not fighting anybody on anything. <laughs> I found Pulp Fiction to be boring and self indulgent. Your mama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a Tarantino film, so we know it's self-indulgent. Yeah. yeah. Do any right. of you have examples of movies that, like, the reason you don't want to watch it again is because you don't want to, like, ruin an old memory of it? Like, you, you know, you you have fond memories of it, maybe because you saw it when you were a child, and you're like, I'm pretty sure it's not going to hold up, therefore I'm not <laughs> going to watch it again. I mean, I could. I don't hmm. watch Seven Brides for Seven Brothers very often anymore. <laughs> oh like, my, my sisters and I yeah. really would like, we would reenact the dance numbers, and like, <laughs> we loved that movie. I rewatched it as an adult and learned it was basically about kidnapping some grown ass women. And I'm like, it's another one of those things. I got to be in the right mood to watch it and fully accept that this is what I'm getting myself into. But yeah, I, I whenever I watch it, I think of me and my sisters, like you know, trying to do the dances. Mm. So. Dude, one summer I ran follow spot for a, the stage production of that show. Eight shows a week for six weeks. I wanted to pull my own head off by the end of that run. <laughs> 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 uh, I think you know. I I really didn't think about it, but now that you ask, uh, I think Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It used to it used to come on once a year. There, you know, when I was a kid, there were movies: Wizard of Oz, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the you know the the, the Rankin Bass Christmas stuff that you could only watch once a year when it was aired on mm-hmm. CBS, NBC, ABC, whatever. I have seen scenes from you know there, there's that wonderful scene of the when Julie Andrews is playing the the, the wind up doll. Um, I'm really afraid to watch that movie because I'm afraid it will it will not live up to what's in my in my memory now that you mention it. I have to think that all of the Herbie movies I loved when I was oh, a kid yeah. will not stand up. <laughs> I don't think that little Volkswagen really has the horsepower to to carry me into my adulthood. But uh, or, the, or the Kurt Russell Disney films yeah. like the computer wore tennis shoes and the strongest man in the world. <laughs> Well, I mean, just when you said that, when Nick said that, I thought the first thing that came to my mind was Spaceballs. Same here. Because I remember watching that when I was a kid. And um, and I, I mean, I've seen it since then, but I haven't seen it probably in the last 10 or 15 years. And I, it's so quotable. There's so many things I remember about it. And I'm afraid to go back and watch it now because I'm afraid, number one, I'm going to find something problematic about it <laughs> because of the where I am now in my life. And number two, that, the, that it's just not going to, the jokes aren't going to hold up as well as they did when I was a stupid 12-year-old, you know. I, I was but. an adult when I saw when Spaceballs came out. 
So I haven't had that problem. I've watched it many times over the last three decades since it came out, and um, it it it's fine. You, you'll be fine watching it. There's nothing <laughs> in it that's really problematic. Mel Brooks was really good about not crossing the line. Blazing Saddles much? Blazing Saddles... Yeah, we could. You say crossing the line, but the line was in a different place back then. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All of the people using the the bad language and the and the bad at were the bad guys. Mm, No, I mean that that movie. The N word is thrown around a lot in that movie by the bad guys, Mm, by everybody. No. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, we and I'm not saying it's not not funny. I'm not saying it doesn't hold up. I'm just saying that there are some things that were funny that are now problematic, and they can still be funny. And I don't think Spaceballs has that problem. I did. Well, I disagree with that about about Blazing Saddles, but that that's a longer discussion. But yeah, Spaceballs. Spaceballs was stupid when it came out. It was kind of the beginning of Mel Brooks's decline. I feel like it was his last funny movie. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't think it. I don't think it'll suffer from from a rewatch. It's right. still see fun. also Robin Hood Men in Tights. Right. Yeah, that one. <laughs> but no, Spaceballs. You, you're totally fine to watch Spaceballs because I was an older person when it came out, and it's still as much fun as it was. No, not every joke is a is a is a home run. It was it was not his best, but it was not his worst by a long shot. Dracula Dead and Loving It is kind of where things went really bad. <laughs> well, Nick, you, you posed the question, which which is the movie you're afraid to go back to? Um, well, I'm afraid to go back to like a lot of Saturday morning cartoon type things. <laughs> but what made me think of the question is that my all-time favorite movie, I'm sure none of you have heard of it because it's Quebecois, it's called Leolo. And oh, Leolo. I, you've seen it? That's a great film. It's amazing. I love that film with Queen I, Rita. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm surprised you've heard of it. Oh, I, um, I watched the hell out of it. It was one of the first films that I saw on IFC. And it affected, okay. it was so good. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. I love yeah. it. And so basically, it's almost like a litmus test for me, that movie. It's the movie that I show to everyone. And, you know, and then I sort of like, you know, watch them expectantly. You know, it's like, you better like it. And the last person I showed it to, maybe, you know, a year or two ago, he didn't respond to it well. And that almost ruined it for me. It didn't ruin the movie. I still think it's a good movie. But it like, I was so surprised by his reaction. I was so surprised that he didn't like it because he he's like, he's the guy that I watch artsy movies with. You know, he loves that type of thing. And so I was so thrown by that experience that I'm like, you know what? I think I'm done forcing people to watch this movie. I think I'm done rewatching it. Like I, I've seen it so many times. It's, it's probably enough. I guess I can move on. Yeah, but Bernard breaks your heart every time, doesn't he? <laughs> well, the whole thing, the whole thing. I mean, and that's an example of a movie that again is devastating. Yeah, it is. It it's, is. it's not a happy movie, but I, yeah, I've seen it. I don't even know how many times I've seen it. And I can, of yeah, times. I, I haven't seen it in 20 years and I remember it vividly. That's how good it yeah. is. Yeah. 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 Oh, so now right. I recommend you all go watch it. <laughs> what, what, and I'll what's it called? Your reactions. Liolo. L i o l o. 
L-E-O-L-O, I think. Yeah, L-E-O-L-O. Axatigi on the first E. And can you can you nutshell the, the, the plot? Oh, my God. I don't want to ruin it. It's a little boy lives in a, a fantasy world. Yeah. Like, I think it's set in the 50s. And it's very meandering, 50s? so it's kind of okay. tough. Yeah. Is, so is, it as, is it as sad as Pan's Labyrinth? I don't think it's I've sad. seen... Oh, I, I don't remember Pan's Labyrinth yeah, exactly. long enough to say, yeah. yes, it's sad. Okay. It's very, very sad. Okay, then I won't watch it. <laughs> 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 I don't do sad if I don't have to. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the the only ones that I really wanted to throw out there were um, I'll just pick one that I didn't mention here, and that's uh, the mist. The what? Oh, the mist. Oh God, no. That's a, and I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna spoil the the and the, and the whole thing. It, it all it all is based on the ending. The reason that I don't want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good movie. I like. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a Stephen King fan, and that, and that's. Uh, I, I want to say that's the first film adaptation of The Mist, and The Mist was written in 1980, or it was first published in 1980. So the the fact that the movie w- wasn't made until 2007, and then it was Frank Darabont, and he already has some success with King bringing King to the screen when he did uh, Shawshank and all that, and it has. It's got Thomas Jane and uh, Marsha Gay Harden and Andre Brower. And it's a good movie, but the ending is just so bleak that, uh, and I'm not going to ruin it here because it's another one of those movies that it, once you know the ending, then it ruins it for you. It's, um, and if you've, I think it, it's also that it was such a surprise because even if you've read the story, that's not how the story ends. I thought you were going to bring up the Green Mile now that you mentioned the, the Stephen King stuff because we talked about it earlier. Well, I mean, we're going to do a show on the Green Mile in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, but the, no, oh, that's Green right. Mile that's right. Not, you wanted me to watch it again. I was like, no, the Green no, no, no. Mile is not is not something that I won't watch again. I'll, I'll watch any of Stephen King stuff again. It's just this particular movie just has an ending that just I don't know. It makes me feel a certain way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I read the synopsis and I agree. There's, I wouldn't. I'd be in. I'd be inoperable after that. <laughs> I, I saw it and I don't remember, so I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we'll explain it after the show, Nick. Yeah, I'll okay. tell you after the show. Okay. <laughs> but but yeah, the the Green Mile is another one that was a brilliant film. I am so glad I watched it. Left me a wreck. Left me a yeah. blubbering mess, <laughs> and I don't ever need to feel that again. That's going to do it for us and this discussion. Do you have a movie that you think is great, but you can't seem to bring yourself to watch it again for some reason? I Let us know. Dare about it. you listening to email us because none of you ever do. <laughs> <laughs> you can contact us on Facebook or Instagram. Don't write us on X because I'm actively trying to erase our existence from that platform. Yeah. Uh, you can also email us at mail at infinitepotato.com or you can email us at mail at cosmicpotato.com. And I want to thank our crew for helping me out tonight. Rick, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Uh, you can find me on that Star Trek podcast on Moon Show. Moon Show. Moon Show. Thank you. <laughs> uh, occasionally on Captain Game Show and right here on the wonderful Cosmic Potato the Super Fan Talk podcast. Chris, what about you? Where can we find you? I am a host of the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can find us at quantumleappodcast.com. All right. What about you, Tom? 
Uh, you can find me on, well, right here on Cosmic Potato on that Star Trek podcast as a fairly regular panelist on the uh, Moon Show. Moon Show. Thank you. Moonshow. And as host of the uh, New to the Network, What's Your Head Cannon podcast. All right. And Scott, what about you? Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me as an occasional panelist on many shows on this network and as the host of that Star Trek podcast. And outside of podcasting, you can always visit my website at www.planetrisecreative.com and see the graphic artwork that I do for fun and profit. All right. Neek, what about you? You can find me as host of Moon Show. Moon Show. <laughs> A For All Mankind podcast. And if you like Star Trek, you can read my comic recaps of Star Trek episodes at my website, superanemic.com. Recap. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Virginia, where can we find you? Um, you can find me at Wait You've Still Never Seen, where we are talking about um, Doctor Who in River Song's timeline order, as well as covering an occasional movie here and there. All right. And I want to thank you all for listening. Hopefully you'll hear a lot more out of this program in 2024. Be sure to join us again next time on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, when you might hear Scott say, you know, they, they say that when you have a, a dire life-threatening situation that your whole life flashes before your eyes, like a movie. You know, if you decide that seeing it once was enough and you don't ever need to see it again, You'll live forever. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Afraid I was going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss? Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. Be sure to join us again soon on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Brought to you by InfinitePotato.com. You guys give up? Oh yeah, thirsty for more. This concludes our broadcast day.